you very much. It's nice to be back. I feel like I've been away for a couple of weeks at All Saints. Um, was there anyone uh, at All Saints last Sunday? Good, because I've got the same opening line. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the opening line was maybe more culturally relevant to All Saints than it is here. So, um, hands up if you don't know who Paul Daniels is. Basically, anyone under 30, isn't it, basically? Um, Paul Daniels was a famous magician in the 80s, 70s, well, 80s, 90s, um, about this high, middle-aged man, bald, um, the only 80s uh, male TV celebrity who I think has escaped intact with his reputation. But he had a famous, um, increasingly famous wife, Debbie McGee. And Debbie McGee was his glamorous assistant. That's the language they used back then in the 80s. And she would come on and she'd be all in a fancy dress and she'd be doing this. And anyway, Debbie McGee married Paul Daniels. Debbie McGee was a lot younger than he was. She was a lot more glamorous, uh, taller than he was. Um, and she was interviewed once by a comedy character called Mrs. Merton, who was a middle-aged lady dressed as a, a granny-type figure. And she said, come in, Debbie, come in, Debbie, come and sit down, love. Tell me, what is it that first attracted you to the multimillionaire that is Paul Daniels? <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Merton, rest in peace, she was uh, hilarious. Maybe not culturally appropriate anymore. But still, um, that question is a very rambling way. I'm going to come back to it at the end. What was it that first drew your attention to Jesus, or what is it first attracted you to Jesus? Don't have to answer it, don't worry. We had this conversation at Alpha. You know what it's like at Alpha. You're there maybe to host or to lead a group, and you probably get as much, if not more, out of it than the people who are there you've invited. And uh, the com I was covering for Tom this week, and the conversation was just so rich. And there was this lovely moment where without prompting, and it wasn't to do with what maybe what we were talking about, people just started sharing their kind of almost testimonies, like what is it I first loved about Jesus or coming to faith or being part of a, the Christian world? And I'm going to come back to that at the end. So the, re the, first, reading, or the, yeah, the first reading for today is um, following on in the uh, Romans series we're doing. It's Romans 5.1. And I've got the smallest chapter in the book and probably the shortest verse to read. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll say it again. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And um, my friend who had children in his 20s, he's a wise man, uh, he has got too much time on his hand now, and he's in his 50s, and he sent me through this image this week. He's a doctor, and he should be working harder in the NHS. It's the image of the football. And um, if those people of a certain age who played football might remember the Mitre Molder Master. It was a standard-issue football for school. Um, and it says, unless you have felt the stinging kiss of the mold master during a pee lesson on a witheringly cold day while wearing shorts that amounted to little more than a piece of elastic and in an environment that was a torture camp in all but name, you cannot truly say that your time on this earth has been justified. To all the mold master veterans out there, I salute you.
And why I'm mentioning this is that justified, the word they use justified, that ball was legendary. It was light but hard, impossible to control, but boy did it hurt when it stung your legs. And justification is mentioned in the Bible verse today. And it's a word which Paul uses all the time. And so just really briefly, if you're not familiar with some of the Bible speak, justification comes from the legal world in, of the day. And it, may, it means made right. So whenever you see justified by faith, it means made right. Made right with God. And this image is suggesting you need to earn it. You need to suffer in 1980s comprehensive system football classes to appreciate, um, be, to be justified. And the Bible, of course, says very different. So just, just I like to clarify some of these words for me to remind myself, but also if you're new to the environment of church, then justif uh, justification is one which can be a little bit oblique. And it came up this week at Alpha in conjunction with sanctification. So not earning being made right with God, but being made holy. In our life, we're called to be sanctified, we're called to be made holy, to be more like Christ. And I'd like to um, look at that a bit today. Because the Bible verse said, we are justified, we are made right through Jesus, and then we have peace. We have peace. Um, and the next slide is a picture of a place that I had peace this week. It's the only time I've had peace this week. And that's my fireplace. They're my socks. I had no one around. There's me and the dog. Just me and the dog all day Friday. I got soaking wet on the dog walk, so I thought, I'm going to light a fire. I don't need to light a fire. I've got a, I've got a heating system I can turn on. But I thought, I'm going to light a fire. And I sat down to do the talk, obviously, and just have some peace. And that's the image that we're going to see a lot of on TV at the moment with the Christmas commercials. This is what peace is. You need to have a cottage in the Yorkshire Dales or you need to have a fireplace with a fire. And it was nice. I'm not knocking it. That was heavenly. <laughs> I loved it. But this is not the kind of peace that Jesus is talking about. Jesus says, I will leave you and I will leave you with peace but not of this world, I'm paraphrasing. Um, he will leave us with a peace that is different to this. How do we have this peace when it isn't children free, dogs behaving himself, cats not vomiting? You know, when all those things that have been going on this week, how do you keep that peace in amongst that? And what I've been um, experiencing this week uh, sorry, this, in this season, is this idea of silence. This idea of um, finding peace in silence, which in my brain, in my life, in my way of thinking, is very unnatural. I'm not a naturally peaceful, silent person. If you have to go on a silent retreat, a lot of us will be thinking, oh, that's going to be challenging. But I've really been encountering the Lord in my practices of silence over this uh, last couple of months. And I just want to spend a little bit of time without looking at that today. I could have made life a lot easier and just not prepared to talk and just got you to sit in silence for the next 10 minutes. 
because I think sometimes we have this idea of silence. Oh, sorry, go back to peace. Before we go into silence, there is a connection there. Because I wasn't, the, the Bible verse doesn't talk, does it, about silence. It talks about, uh, about peace. But the word for peace uh, that we're most familiar with is shalom. The Hebrew word is shalom. And the Greek word is, after, look at this, irenea, irenea, Greek. And then the shalom is the, is the, uh, is the Hebrew. But they, all, they both get used interchangeably and have a very similar meaning. And that is wholeness, completeness, not just by a fireplace with your legs up. It's the peace that Jesus is talking about is this sense of completeness and wholeness and fullness through being connected to Jesus. And so we have many different ways of connecting with Jesus. We connect on a Sunday through our sung worship. We, we, we connect through community. I'm just always amazed every week we do morning prayers before we start the service that, oh, that person's doing kids today. Oh, that person's doing kids. Oh, and that person's on. And it's a real sense of community, of coming together, of, of serving, but also supporting. We get it through reading the Bible. But why I want to look at, um, at silence is that we're called to love God with all our mind, all our soul, and all our heart. And a lot of what we do day to day uses the left side of the brain more than the right side. Now, they both were, I'm aware we've got a doctor of psychology in the house, so I'm going to be really qu quickly run over this, and I'll be corrected at the end. Both sides of the brain are working all the time. But we do, certain tasks will favor certain sides of the brain. And some of us are more naturally, will lean into the left side, logic, language, systems, processes. The right side, creativity, intuition. And if we're to love the Lord God with all our mind, that means allowing opportunities for the right side of the brain to have some activity. Some of us will find that harder um, than others. We live in a world of words, don't we? We get so much information. We have words on the screen. We have words in the Bible. We have words we have to learn for work, presentations, whatever it might be. Words, words. And I sometimes just get worded out. So the idea of p picking up the Bible at times and having more, it's like, so I've got to think about this, right. And that's awful as a figure to say, but it's the truth. I just get worded out. And this idea of silence has, this idea of the experiential side has really been fruitful in my life over this last few months. And if I can stand up here with all credibility and say that, there must be something in it because I'm just not a silent type person. And we sometimes think, oh, Hang about, isn't this just like a little bit of mysticism? Isn't this the Eastern, didn't, in the 70s, didn't some of those Christians go over to India and start getting involved in Buddhism and bringing back those traditions? Yes, they did. Because there was a 600-year gap in the church history where we totally ignored it. So the silent prayer, the idea of being in silence with the Lord, predates Jesus. So Psalm 91, may words of my mouth 
and the meditation of my heart be, please, be pleasing in your sight. The classic one, Psalm 46. Be still and know I am God. So it's predating Jesus. And then Jesus is known for going off and going up his mountain, going off in silence. So when Jesus went away for 40 days into the desert, he didn't have his Bible and his notebook because there wasn't a Bible. There would have been scrolls, but he wouldn't have been carrying all these scrolls into No, he didn't need it because he knew the scriptures. But you can't go away for 40 days and just talk constantly in prayer to God. It's not realistic, is it? So silence, silent contemplation, silent prayer is deeply rooted before Jesus, through Jesus' actions, and then in the early church, the Desert Fathers, St. John of Cassian, Augustine of Hippo, St. Teresa of Elia, um, St. Pete Gregg of Guildford, um, have all... That's a very in-church joke, so sorry. The last one was a very modern person. Um, but there's this history of, of ancient mystics, Christian mystics, who drew on this well of beauty that is silence. And the Bible, I have, a, I have two spiritual directors. That's either because I'm very holy or because I'm in real need. But I have a formal spiritual director and I have an informal spiritual director. The informal one is my wife and uh, she really works on my purity of heart. And if ever this doesn't look like it is at home, she gives me direction. My formal spiritual director, um, when I went to see him just recently um, up, in, up in London, he, you know, he sits, he listens, he, he's prayerfully contemplating before you come in what the Spirit might be saying. And then he said, right, Richard, that's, that's good. I want you to go away. I want you to practice saying nothing. Doing nothing and saying nothing. Go and sit in your church after you've done morning mass. I'm thinking, oh. <laughs> And then I, think, I pictured this place on a Monday morning. No, that's not going to be happening. <laughs> um, but just find somewhere to sit in silence. And that's all I want you to do. And if, if, it, if it's struggling, then just, just go over a Bible verse and just say it repeatedly. And this has been the starting point of this new way of me experiencing God. Not learning about God, which is important, but actually experiencing God. And the Bible verse which really um, rooted this for me in my faith is coming up on the screen. And it's the, this is one of the uh, Bible verses which I just jumped out when I read it. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live. You will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And it's that last bit that really hit home. I am living in you. We've got Jesus in it. Well, yes, Richard, we've heard that multiple times. But you know when sometimes it just really lands? So if I'm spending time without external stimulus and I'm withdrawing in myself, 
I'm not navel-gazing. I'm not leaving myself open to the world, whatever might be floating on around my head. I'm trying to connect with the Jesus that is inside me. And it's challenging. It's a real challenge to sit in silence. But I have had these most beautiful encounters with the Lord. And they're usually in times of absolute chaos, when there's some really big things floating around that I can't control, I can't fix. I want the giant vending machine in the sky. I want to put that prayer up and get it to work. And it's not happening at that moment. And I'm crying out, why, God? Why is this happening? Why am I not? Ex- why is this not changing? And in those moments, I come and I sit and I go through my steps, which we'll look at in a second. And I've had the most amazing encounters with the Lord. Encounters that maybe some of us had when we first came to Christ. What was it that first attracted us to Christ? Sometimes it involves an encounter that might have dried up over the seasons of life. And there's an utterly brilliant book. You may well have read it. It's How to Pray by Pete Gregg. Pete Gregg normally has these most amazing titles, Dirty Glory and God on Mute. And then he had How to Pray. It's the worst title. Sorry, Greg. Pete Gregg. Um, but it's a brilliant book. I've got two copies. I've got it on audio. And there's a prayer course to go with it. And this chapter on contemplation, on silent prayer, is so good and so helpful. And he talks about these stages we go through. So first of all, we meditate. Because like when you come through those doors on a Sunday, you can't just go from busy to like full-on worship. There has to be that gathering in, shuffling you forward, getting in on time, and then you slowly move into a state of worship. Pete Gregg says that in the first stage, it's me and God. You're very aware of yourself. So in prayer, when I'm trying to do my silent prayer, this is where I'm trying to calm things down. I'm literally focusing on my breathing. I'm allowing thoughts to come into my mind and just to, to go off. But I'm trying to center myself from the busyness. And those thoughts are fine. They're natural. It's like when you first come into worship. You're probably thinking, oh, I didn't put any deodorant on. Or, oh, not this song again. Or, oh, I wish I'd stuck with piano lessons and I could have been. You know, all these thoughts are going through your head. It's about you. So you go through meditation and you go on to contemplation. So on contemplation, you often will just repeat a verse or even a word. So this week I've been focusing on, come to me all who are weary. And just repeating it. And when thoughts come in, I let them come in and then they go out again and I get back to my verse. And that's when you're worshipping. You might start to really notice some words that we're singing. So you're getting, it's now about God and me. So it was me and God and now it's God and me. The focus is shifting towards God. And then the final phase that we don't always get to is communion, where God and you are just mixed together. 
where time stops, where you forget where you are. And it's those precious moments of intimacy with God. I think these are the things that keep us going. Around being birthed, the message version of "Come to me, all who are weary," says, "Come to me, all who are weary." Something around being burnt out on religion, and that's not putting church down. That just means maybe we're just burnt out religiously doing things all the time. Good things, family is good, work is good, serving is good, but we can get burnt out with this. The people I admire most in the world, my last week we spoke about saints, all saints, and the saints that I admire, the people of faith who have gone before us, are the ones who get to their old age, and they've got joy in their hearts, they've got a smile on their face. That is winning at life. If you can get to your 70s and 80s and 90s and still have that happiness of joy. And the common thing often is this real intimacy with Jesus. And we do this naturally. I've given you an example of worship, the stages you go through to get to worship. The traditional church services go through those stages where it's bringing you closer to God and then the culmination will be the the communion. But we do it in everyday life. We do it at the cinema. You go into the cinema, and all you can hear is rustling and popcorn and lights going on on phones, and you're very aware of yourself in the cinema. And then you start to get into the film, and you start to really invest in the characters and the story, and it becomes the film and you. And then if the film's really good, the lights go on and you go, whoa. I've only had that a few times in the cinema. Lord of the Rings. Just totally lost in the Lord of the Rings. So we naturally do it. There's this part of our brain which wants that switching off from, our, from us and to look to something else. And I've yet, as good as the Lord of the Rings is, I've yet to find something better and sustain, more sustaining than that closeness of communing with Jesus. If someone can find it, I'll try it. But there isn't anything, is there? And if you're sat there thinking, well, you're a vicar. You know, that's what you're paid to do. You're paid to be holy and have these communal times. Well, we are. And I think sometimes God literally goes, he's not going to pray or she's not going to pray unless I make them do it in church. But it's churches as demanding as lots of other jobs. You know, we can make church an idol like we make anything else an idol. It can be a distraction from us communing with, with God. It's not my natural thing. I hope you get that sense. And it has been so enriching. So it's an encouragement. It's to find, my encouragement is to find that place where you can recharge your batteries because the conversations I have with you, it's such a high level of achieving and busyness and demands. And I just think, gosh, how do you keep going? So hopefully this, this can be a way of, of you um, 
finding that place to keep your heart pure, to keep your energy levels and your focus on Jesus. Because, I'm going to finish, um, we use this idea, we use other things to replace that, don't we? We all do. My best start to the day is the 7.30 Zoom prayers. But I can't always make it, and I'll try and replace that feeling with a double espresso and a bowl of Cocoa Pops to get me fired up for the day. It's a mere substitute. It works very quickly. <laughs> but we, we will find things to do, won't we? That idea of peace, talking about peace was a very revolutionary thing to do because the Pax Romana, Johnny mentions in the book, the Pax Romana is, we bring you peace, but we bring you peace through a sword. And I think it's a poor substitute for real peace. So I just wonder what it is in our lives that are a poor substitute for, um, for that real intimacy that we have with God. And so to finish off, the question was, what first attracted you, Jesus? So that's my question to leave you with. And then I guess the other question is, what are the barriers that are in your way of experiencing that beautiful intimacy with the Lord? I'm going to give you a couple of minutes. And I just want you to sit in silence and just have a think about that question.